0: broadcasting live out of a basement in Appleton, Wisconsin. You're tuned into Fox City's Core on WCCR, Code Zero Radio. For the show that gives you an opportunity to call in and be a part of the show. Our call-in line is 920-358-0795. Core. My next guest, he's in a high-energy rock and roll band that was formed in 2009 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They've appeared at Summerfest, Day Trotter, and clubs throughout the Midwest. They've been featured in Paste Magazine. I'd like to welcome Adam from the Appalachians to Fox City's Core. Adam, how are you doing I'm, today? I'm
1: doing well. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming, and we've got a lot of ground to cover today. I, I <laughs> got an hour.
1: Just me, man. It, it should be a fun show,
0: so we'll get it out of the way right away, but it's the the future of the band is looking kind of in limbo right now
1: dude i am here to basically put the final nail in the coffin
0: <laughs> that's a very depra- everybody else is dead it's <laughs> <laughs> a, a very depressing kind of uh, way to lead in but it, it is i guess as they say it is what it is
1: yeah it's essentially kind of what's happening right now but it, it's it's all in all things love type of deal where you know it's it's just honestly we People are at a crossroads with their life, and ch- ch- changes have to happen, and you have to follow what it is you want to do. I mean, we got people that are leaving the state, so I mean, kind of hard. It's kind of
0: hard to put keep it together when people are that, especially
1: far especially in a very regional area. You know, it's not like oh, we'll, I'll fly in next weekend for a show. Like, not we're it's just not that level. You know.
0: You do hear once in a while nowadays, like bands that'll, you know, they live in different states and they trade stems back and forth on Mm -hmm. the internet and then they, you know, get together and play a show a year. Is that something that the Appalachians would ever consider?
1: I mean, we kind of did when we had a little bit of our hiatus. We had been through this before, kind of like guys getting married, having kids and stuff like that, and just taking some time off and which ended up being a good solid year, solid five years between 2015 and 2020, and we would play uh, down in Milwaukee. They do these uh, live riverboat showcases. We we call them booze cruises because that's basically all you did. You play you play on a boat, and you know it's a, a good. A we would find little places like that that could be just like a big house, something fun that's not just like focused on like the pressure of a release or you know an album or without having something to promote. You know, that's always the trickiest part of doing kind of one offs is like what's, what's special about what the, sh- the show you're doing, you know?
0: So that would probably not happen.
1: It would probably <laughs> not happen.
0: Well, th- let's talk about like when you got interested in music and then we'll talk about the forming of the Appalachians. Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, can't, I come from a very musical household. My my oldest sister was always into like Broadway and stuff, and four older sisters in the nineties. So, I mean, I got a taste of everything from Backstreet Boys to Garbage <laughs> to you know. So uh, there, and my parents were mega Beatles fans. I feel like every kid either grew up either a Stones or a Beatles fan. We we were Beatles fans, and uh, and. Grew tons of 90s inspirations throughout all my life because that was just kind of like my starting point, and I just never really got away from it. So, I, I've always and that just that 90s sound of you know raw authenticity, you know, kind of bl- bleeding through and uh, not so much compression, and it's just that whole raw style of production was always just my favorite
0: when you were growing up was MTV still playing music or were they onto the oh reality? yeah
1: oh yeah but when when I was in MTV it was kind of the weird period of like um they started doing the reality shows and like obviously uh jackass was huge and th- that had its own music scene too with kind of like the stoner rock and uh but a lot of MTV when I was kind of like in high school was kind of focused on more of like what I call the Chad rock bands, <laughs> you know, Chad, like, Chad, Rocking. Chad rock, Alter bridge. <laughs> uh, let's see, like Nickelback or, uh, Chevelle, which I mean, not, not, nothing wrong if that's what you're into, but it, it really stemmed away from anything that I was particularly interested at the time. So,
0: So you were in Nirvana, the Beatles, a lot Huge
1: Nirvana fan. Um, I think that was probably my biggest game changer is the first time I ever heard. Nevermind.
0: Did that make you pick up a
1: guitar or you already had one? Uh, I didn't already have one and I never really considered the idea until like music really resonated with me on a personal level. Like I always thought it just kind of looked cool, but, um, when I was actually like really consuming music and it like I, it kind of meant something to me is kind of when I sat down and then you, you know you you learn and you play all the classics that like the easy riffs from, you, know, you play Metallica songs, you play Nirvana songs and but Nirvana was a huge inspiration for me, just the simplicity and growing up a Beatles fan, like I said, it's like it, to me they almost sounded like the same band from like a different different, like, a 30-year difference, almost. Like, Kurt's uh, ability for quick-to-the-point incredible melodies was, like, blew my mind that you could do that with such a small sample of three people. You know, that, that blew my... That that really resonated with me. Like, you can do a lot with so little.
0: When, when you were listening to that in the 90s, did you make the connections yet that Nirvana had been at Smart Studios in Madison?
1: No, didn't. I mean that that was all after the fact for me. Actually, when right around when that that documentary came out with uh, Smart Studios, uh, or just before that, they did like this sale at the studio, um, just selling like whatever leftover junk before like they totally cleared that building. Uh, I ended up grabbing like a microphone from there, and somebody's like, "Yeah, it's." From like the '90s or something. That's cool. So I was like, dude, you don't know who played into this. Like, I just had to have it. I got no history on it or anything, but it's just like an old '57 mic, and I was just like, dude, this has got to have his. I, it's it's in this building, so I'm I'm coming home with it. You know, it's like taking a brick off of like a demolished building you used to work in or something, or like when they took down uh, County Stadium or the old Lambo. They people got like the bricks. Like that was something that I you know. I didn't learn about the history of SMART until 2009-ish, which is that around when that documentary probably came out?
0: It was quite a bit after that, but I mean, that's, when SMART was closing, I think that was around that time. Yeah,
1: because so I was o- enrolled over at Madison Media Institute studying audio engineering, so like that's really when it came full circle to me. Like, oh my God, like Madison has a huge history behind it built with just built with a couple people, like simple minds, like you and I, you know?
0: Yeah. It's pretty crazy to have a place like that in Wisconsin, <laughs> in,
1: in Wisconsin. And like just driving the freeway to get there. it's just like cornfields and then boom, little city, you know, and all that noise coming from that little place. That was what was beautiful about the nineties. Same thing with Seattle, like all these bands from like these logging towns, you know, that didn't fit in or um, didn't really have like the means to be like one of those hot LA bands at the time or whatever. It it was just authenticity all the time and people were drawn to it.
0: Do you remember the first time you picked up a guitar then?
1: Uh, Yeah, it would have been like seventh grade summer. My mom had her old one that she had just pulled out of the basement and my dad went and got it str- strung for whatever reason because I think my sister's friend was c- coming in from out of town and he-, and he was a touring artist and he was staying the weekend at our place so he was go- basically going to do this whole weekend bonfire session for us and I just kind of watched him and after he would be done he would kind of sit down and just be like hold it here, hold it here, that's a I'm like, oh that's I can I can do that and then it just felt intriguing, like, wow, I'm I'm making that noise. And ever since I came like started reading tabs and all of that and just boom 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 dun 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 you know that's 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 where it started for me.
0: And then at what point did you decide, I think I'm going to start writing my own songs? Was it just, I mean, were you ever in a cover band, first of all? Uh,
1: No, just like weird high school bands where we'd just like drink in the basement and after school and hang out and get into whatever kind of trouble. And like somebody would be like, hey, this, (laughs) the Chancery restaurant uh, says we could maybe play. And it's like, kind of like this steakhouse ordeal, like that doesn't know that we're a High school band that's all jacked up on Mountain Dew,
0: <laughs> and then so eventually you started. Was the Appalachians your first band?
1: That was my first band. Wow, it's it's like the only thing I've ever done musically. I mean, I've I've released a couple songs uh, outside of on my own, but never like really put anything behind it. But for the most part, th- this has been my primary musical focus throughout. I mean I started writing songs for this for this band when towards end of high school so like 2006 2007 time frame when I was playing with the uh, uh you know high school band stuff like I was writing I was writing stuff that was like let me feel what this sounds like with other people and you know, the idea is more people it's it started as a project like just bringing people in and just, if they have a good approach to take with a certain song, like we would lay it down and then that would be it. And we, we had a cast of characters just kind of coming in and laying down parts. And it came down to four of us that were like, we're in this regular rotation of doing this anyways. Like, let's just make it a band. You know, at first it was more something of like, just way to showcase network, like, mean it's hard to just go out and find people to play with you know they got to be you want them to be compatible with you and you know not come with a baggage of issues and you know somebody somebody first and foremost that's cool that like you can spend all this time with just shooting whatever you know um so it it was always hard to find and find people like that and we kind of came from all over the state Uh, Our guitar player at the time was from Twin Lakes, and our drummer Ryan was from uh, Fond du Lac. And when he first joined the band, uh, something had happened with his car. So I was driving up from Milwaukee to Fond du Lac to go get him, bring him down for brand practice, back up to Fond du Lac, (laughs) back down to Milwaukee. So it's a lot of work to get something off the ground. The point that I'm trying to make is... You got you gotta you gotta be kind of serious and want, wanting it to happen. You got to, you gotta you gotta make real solid efforts to it.
0: So like, how fast did it did the songwriting start once you had the core group of four together? Were any of the songs that ended up on your first release written when you still had the rotation? You know, the rotating group of people kind of shuffling in and out
1: yeah the the, so the first ep that we did was uh long wait slow lines we did that uh we started it in like 2009 and just really took our time with it friend of mine who uh has a studio in like this lake house out in waukesha county um great guy uh aaron fontaine um works as a in-house engineer really worked with us um and like developing songs and like studio sounds it 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 was a totally new experience for all of us versus just a little uh two-track mic recorder like this was very much like this happening down here and it was overwhelming but he really coached us kind of through it and like this is how you play i mean i he's like i know you guys are used to like playing loud and this is how it translates into a studio so he really helped us with that and i would come in with uh song ideas and just partially written out and then everybody else would just come in and just react naturally to whatever i had written and we would build it up through the studio it wasn't like we were working on it in a basement it was all built through like a studio setup everything that we had written and it came together cool that way and i don't think we would have learned as much about the recording process had we not done it that way but we had released that uh ep and one of the songs the last song on that is called notice i had written that like as a junior in high school and every time that was we were doing open mics downtown milwaukee uh specifically at the up and under pub on brady street is kind of where we birthed out of and you get time for like three or four songs. And that was always the one in a rotation. That's the one like people actually would stop what they're doing and kind of look up to the stage. And after we close with that song, people like you got an album or you got, you got somewhere I can listen to this on the way home. And we didn't have anything at the time. That's that's, that was the moment was like, we should probably jot some of these ideas down at this point. What do you think? And everybody was down and made a good, made a good run from it.
0: So that debut album or EP whatever you want to say was seven songs yep and as far as the the cohesiveness of the songs it it does have like a very 90s kind of sound to it, which I like a lot yeah um, when you rolled it out did you have like a big album release party or how did you kind of debut the the album to the public
1: well it was it, it was weird because we we had some tampering from a record label that uh uh is was pr- is pretty big time uh we had this a and r guy kind of working with us and it, it was i mean those people are so shady it, they, they they'll they tell you how much you, they love you and then uh like i like this about the song but what what would you think or he's like well where's the chorus catchy part to it, it well it's it was very in- like an interfering experience and kind of deflating so we almost didn't make it through that um
0: so with the R person that's how the record company got involved with it or well we started-
1: had we we had started like when i said when uh we started recording that and my and my good friend's uh, studio studio at his lake house um we had it, it for a while it was just me and i was just kind of launching the demos of it online and I got bites through of all places was like my space. And that's where, that's where this company. And like, at first I read the message. I'm like, Oh dude, this is bullshit. And he's like, I'll be in Chicago this week. And would you like meet me for dinner? I'm like, Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> so did you meet him for dinner? I met him for dinner,
1: <laughs> met him for dinner. He sweet talked to me and, and then, uh, he's like, yeah, send me, send me some stuff. I like this. He's like, I want more of it. Very, very cliche. It's like, I need more of this. How fast can you do this? It's like you want this right and I'm like a twenty twenty year old twenty one year old kid at the time' I'm just like, yes, yes, whatever, whatever you need me to do, I will do it and but i'm 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 glad it went south, but you you always gotta wonder if it's like what if I just did whatever this guy told me to like how would my how would things be different Probably probably still not in a good way, I wouldn't imagine <laughs> just doing whatever people to tell you to do nothing's your own at that point.
0: Well, especially like, I don't know if like what they were offering or what he was suggesting, but I mean, sometimes things are very like backloaded, like, well, sign everything to us. And then if it does this well, you'll get this back, but you know, you sign away your songs. Or whatever. Right.
1: Right. It didn't even, it didn't even like get that far. It was like, he heard the first master of the whole EP And then he just wrote a bunch of notes, like, how it sounded basically really stupid. (laughs) I was like, what are we doing here, you know? like
0: It's kind of exciting to have that happen on your first release. for,
1: For sure, but it really quickly went from, like, you guys are great to absolutely just getting roasted. I'm like, all right.
0: Well, the album cover, who did the album cover for that?
1: That's, uh...
0: You guys are standing in an alley.
1: Yeah, that's uh the Pritzloff building in Milwaukee. It's like this big event and I didn't even know it was like this gorgeous like event place. It just looked like good lighting for some shadows and really nothing special. We were just walking the streets one day with a <laughs> photographer and <laughs> she's like, "I like this spot." I'm like, "All right." But it it did, it did fit like the feel of the record. When you listen to it through it's 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 got kind of like that dark um winterish milwaukee winterish type vibe to it and a lot of the music kind of matches with that on that particular record so worked out well
0: well then it kind of seems like got you hungry to get a another release out and a couple years later yeah, you put yeah. the self-titled out
1: yeah that that we went kind of berserk for it was like we had done the our first studio process and we're like this is fun like how can we do this more on our own terms? So we ended up doing it in our basement with, uh, there's a producer and engineer out of Milwaukee, Chicago area. His name's Nate Gessner, a uh, longtime friend of mine. And he came down it like for, we worked on it for a month. And it, w- it was a record of no overdubs, just all live takes. Like that was, re- we wanted to experience like that aspect of like, And at the time we were a trio, so it's like let's let's just get like this raw the rawest form of us that we can and just you know try to represent where we are accurately at the time. Very very raw, rough sounding.
0: Are you happy with how it turned out?
1: You know, it's weird listening back to songs as you get older. I feel like art is is never completed it's always just kind of temporary like you could work on ideas for a million years and still like as you get older and as your tastes change like you go back and like i wish i would have cut this a little section out a little more or made this section a little more interesting but it's like i appreciate at the time like but it's better for me to look at back at the time and be like well this is just where we were you know you can't change what where you were at the time so it's 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 very much like a time capsule that i see it as
0: did you prefer the way of doing the self-titled album versus the the debut like be, recording it in a basement versus versus like ver,
1: versus more of a studio setup i mean we did a little bit of both for um our our self-titled that we did in 2014 15 uh, like we we did a whole day in the in a, in a studio in Madison, um, just doing drums, and the rest of the record was in my basement. Just finding a good drum space, and uh, but there there was aspects of it that I liked um, both ways. Um, the the studio kind the real studio setup kind of showed me like here here's like all the gear, and at home was more of like it's in your software and and it's we're we're going to really focus on just avoiding all of that and just making it sound like it's through the amps through everything like that. So I mean, I, each one has its perks of you know what you're able to do, but with that batch of songs that we had it 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 made sense for the second one versus like I don't know how those songs would have sounded going into the first place we did.
0: You know, going to Madison Media Institute as well, I mean, do you like to have the hands-on approach recording?
1: Uh, Yes, in ways, but there's ways I need to step away from it. You know, I need somebody else to come in and just, like, validate, like, everything that you're doing sounds good. It's always nice to get a second set of ears. Like, uh, Audio Engineer, in my opinion, has always been, like, basically... An extra person in the band like doing all the fine touch-ups and um stuff that you might miss or be a little more biased to because it is your own music versus if you if you have somebody else mix it for you mix a master for you you're you're getting somebody else's perspective on what you're doing which was always important to me because that way it feels more like even further of a collaboration type of deal
0: so who did who did the the cover for that album? Was that a stock photo or is that one that, that
1: that would have been my sister in law's uh, like high school boyfriend at the time? Was very much into into artwork and incredible artist uh, Austin Lloyd was his name uh, is his name. Um, always did really cool type of stuff and um, I I anytime we did art it was always kind of like here's here's the music like give us your interpre- interpretation and basically it is like another collaborator coming in, giving your spin, giving like a different perspective of like visual to sound interpretation was always important to all of us. Um, and he, yeah, he, he, great, great artists, great artists.
0: So he listened to the music and then took the photo based off or looked through what he he had already yeah, he, he,
1: he had he had drawn that and it was just the vibe of just like three dudes sitting on a porch you know like kind of felt like the kind of record that it was you know like a good sunday drive in the fall type easy easy listening rock record very lo-fi and you had
0: uh jake in the band like off and on like he was he ever like a full-time member of the band he, he was
1: full-time um Jake he was one of the first people that ever came in uh when I started launching some of the earlier demos he he was one of the one of the first people that were drawn to it um but it it w- sometimes uh we had complications trying to get you know ideas together and um I mean it, it's always hard to come in with two different ideas and be like how can we meet this in the middle um, cause you know, everybody's influences are so much different and we, we were really young at the time and, um, there's, there's great chance that I, I've already might've had ideas in my head, how things should have sounded. And I was, it, I was kind of working in tune with what the audio engineer also thought, like this will really complement the mix type of thing. So I was always kind of like, he knows what he's talking about. Let's listen to this type of guy and and it, and in it, people you know it's a delicate thing bringing ideas forth and and all of that and but he just found um a new band that had formed in 2020 called Bad Year um he he, he ended up joining joining them um kind of when he was with us and then he ended up just doing that full time and he's like He's like, I appreciate the time, and he's like, I had a lot of fun doing this, but you, you know, it, it it takes it takes a band to learn what it is you want to do.
0: So you guys you guys played with Bad Year, at one point I think,
1: didn't you? Yeah, we played a couple of shows with them. Coming right out of the pandemic, they had, they had released a really solid EP um, right out of the gate, and I I was spinning it um, right right when it came out. I want to say. Dude, it had to be right when the pandemic hit, and everybody kind of got stopped with what they're doing. And I just remember, when this comes back, we should play a show with these guys because it's a great energy. And Jake ended up finding them. They needed a guitar player, and I, I didn't blame him for wanting to join. It was very much in his wheelhouse. And so it, it to him to go to a band that like we all respected was like awesome to see, actually. So it was like none of those like hard feelings or anything. Like there was tough talks, you know, that you have you have to have when you're doing this kind of stuff, but no hard feelings. Um incredible guitar player. Incredible guitar player. He whiz with all of this you should see his board. It's just just wild. It's it looks like he looks like a DJ on guitar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I I kinda Kind of jumped us ahead here in the mm-hmm. chronological order, but we, we got a question, a couple of questions from Jerry.
1: Shit. What's up, Jerry?
0: Uh, two questions for Adam. I saw you at Mile of Music, the first show I attended at Mile last year, and then again at Fox River House with the Lately. Did you play many shows previously in the Fox Valley? And what are your thoughts on the experience you had at Mile and Fox River House? You guys are great.
1: Thank awesome. you. Um, I mean, outside of mile of music we never made our way up here but um and it's one of those things where we had planned this summer we had planned a decent amount up here up this way because we had such great experience at mile of music i remember we were the first band at chadwick's opening night and like as we're loading in there's a couple people there and then by the time like i think like five o'clock hit Like, the place is packed, and uh, I remember people, I'm like, how do do people know about this? Well, A, they do a great, everybody at Mile does a great job promoting everything. Um, And it always helps, too, that having kind of a music culture built in where, um, like you and I had talked about earlier, um, it's not a place where bands just show up and... Um, you you just kind of hold people drawn in like the the venue has already created the culture for you to come into, and that that was what made it probably the best experience. And people were were re- really showing for the music, and it, it was one of my favorite all time experiences. Just playing my music.
0: We'll talk a little bit more about mile later. Jerry had a second question sure. as well. Are you going to take a break for music or are you planning, and Jerry's really hitting in on all the the hard-hitting questions here. Sure. Least, Jerry. Are you guys going to take a break for music or are you planning on diving into another project?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm personally going to take a little time off just because um, it's a little different for somebody like me that really takes a singer-songwriter approach versus uh, uh, our... Guitar player that came into our band, uh, Wally. I'm like, he's like, w- are we gonna do anything right o- right off the bat? And I'm like, dude, I kind of need a minute. Like, we were really focused on like heading into the summer here, and now that's all kind of off. Um, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just take the summer off and just uh, see how how things roll. And I and I told everybody just you keep yourselves busy. What whatever you got to do up. We'll come back in a few months. Let's, let's let's keep talking. And, but I feel like I need to just really sit down with a different set of ideas. You got to go into a different mindset if you're starting something totally like scratch, which I haven't done since I was 20 years old. I haven't started from scratch, which I'm at a very different point of my life that like I can't be out there. Um, every night seeing shows, talking to people and, you know, trying to get something off the ground. Um I mean it is easier having the resume that we have now, I'm sure, but it's like the whole thing of like you gotta like the people that you're playing with. It, it is, you're starting all these new relationships and, you know, I've I've got three kids at home. So it's I I, I definitely I could see myself uh coming back Doing something, but it would be in a much different format, if that makes sense. Because if, if I I don't want to launch the same two ideas and just call them two different things, so it's it's really just kind of sitting down and just being like, well, what what do I want this to sound like? Is the biggest thing. So, uh, I mean, I've I've got plenty of ideas in. In the back burner of directions that i've thought about going and um but a lot of a lot of stuff also kind of depends on like okay what do we want to change in your rig that you're playing like do you want to play some more acoustic type stuff and like the the singer-songwriter stuff never was good for me um i always hated the sound of my voice So when, yeah, so I I feel like a lot of singers do, but, and I feel like it shines more when other more are around to compliment it. So I don't ever see myself just like playing some cafe and just strumming along. Um, So I I would always feel like it's got to be somewhat in a band format, but yeah, I mean, it won't be, it won't be Appalachian stuff. Um, but I'll always be in the, the rock realm, you know, through and through, no matter what I do, I just, that's all I know is rock music, you know,
0: you know, since we're kind of talking a little bit about mild music, but how does like playing with other bands, like the lately Jerry mentioned the lately, which is a a great Mm -hmm. rock band from the Appleton area. When you're playing with bands like the lately, um, you know what? Whatever the band, do you normally keep in contact with those bands?
1: Sure. Yeah. Anytime we talk to somebody, I I always save information and um, I'm I'm always making notes about because I mean, after a while, you play with a lot of bands like when you're doing this, so it's easy to kind of like freak, like, oh yeah, we play with them this year or this year. So I always actually made myself good about staying organized of like contacts of people that we've played with and that you know we had good shows with um but the playing with the lately the the fun group of guys and anytime i always watch other bands play like it's just like watching their approach and then just kind of like sitting back thinking to myself like trying to envision like how they might have gone about like coming to these conclusions with their music and um it it's a, it's always an interesting experience to watch especially when you make your own music you're always versus if you're just only consuming it you don't think of certain things like i'm always curious to what it sounds like what people who don't play instruments and they hear my music like what they think you know because i i'm have a i have a bias because i play guitar and like there's certain things i want to hear versus like Somebody else hears your music, and they don't have like a formality to any type of instruments. Um, I always thought it was interesting to like find those kind of perspectives. Um, like, what do you, what do you hear of just like the sound you have no idea about? And like, I always take that approach when I'm listening to other bands too. Like, as a consumer, as like an artist, as so that's how I've always just kind of dialed in, checking other bands out and fall in love with them. Some, some you hit next. I mean, I've probably been one of those bands. Somebody hits next, like no hard feelings, you know,
0: the harsh reality, the hard the. <laughs> so after that self-titled album, the band ended up breaking up or at least maybe not breaking up, but taking a, a five-year hiatus.
1: Yeah. It was like a hiatus and it, at the time. It was like, well, maybe in like six months or like we just didn't know how long it would be till people had the time to really put the necessary energy back into it, which is the most important thing is, you know, having, having the drive to do it. Otherwise, if you don't have the drive, you're not going to get the results that you're searching for. So it's like one of those things like you're either all in or you're not. Um.
0: So when you stepped away for... For that time, I mean, I'm guessing you felt like there was something missing from your life, or there was like that outlet that wasn't there.
1: Yeah, and and that's that's already hit me hard too. Um, at this point, it's just like I've spent so much, so many hours, like the last three years, um, with all of these guys, and like it, it. I call I called our drummer Ryan last night because I hadn't talked to him since our last show. I'm like, I'm like. For, the lot, for this whole month, I'm like, oh, Ryan's leaving the band. Ryan's leaving the band. I'm like so heartbroken. And then it's like sinking in like, no, he's not leaving the band. He's leaving like the entire state. Like, he's moving across the country. And it took me a minute to like process that. It's like, holy cow. Like so much can change and like snap of your finger.
0: Well, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but what ended up getting the band kind of to play it, to get active again, you had... It's kind of a health situation.
1: Yeah, I spent, I spent, so 2020 uh, or just December of 2019, I had noticed some pain in my right, in my right shoulder. Um, I remember waking up uh, and feeling my arm just numb for like almost like the whole day, like almost like you you slept on it and cut off all the circulation uh and it just wouldn't go away and at the time i thought it was because i was overdoing it at work at the at the time i was running my own tree service that's i was always an arborist as my uh line of work so i just kind of did the normal guy thing like give it a couple weeks you know see how it feels and it wasn't getting better it's getting worse and worse and winter uh had to be like early or around christmas time of 2019 i remember my wife kind of saved my life in a way, cause I, we were outside playing with the kids. I packed a huge fat snowball, and I tried, tried to whip it at her, <laughs> and and it just felt like a pitcher like tearing his rotator cuff, and I was like, oh my god, and I couldn't lift anything after that, like for an entire week. So I went in, and um, they they checked everything out. They're like, well, let's get an X-ray and see and see what's going on, and and they're like. We don't see anything on the x-ray nothing looks broken but we do see something like a she's the the nurse at the times like do you feel this back here there's something decently protruded and i kind of did look like a hunchback almost in a way um and she's like stand against this wall and tell me if you feel how uneven it is so i'm standing against this wall and it, it felt like there was a rock behind. My arm, which I had never noticed. And she's like, Yeah, something's back there. Uh, the best way we can uh, take a look is an MRI. Uh, so I did the MRI like a week later. And I'm dry. I'm dry. Just as soon as I got home, I get a call from the doctor. And uh, they're like, Hey, we have a meeting um, or we have an opening in about uh, 10 minutes to discuss your results if you're able to come in. I'm like, Oh, that's sweet. Like, you're you're able to get me in right away, and um, went down there. Uh, didn't think anything of that. Like it's kind of weird when they asked you to come in, right? Yeah, didn't, didn't even it. didn't even cross my mind. I I figured they just thought I was some really busy guy, and um, where I was being prioritized nicely or something. <laughs> um, but then I walked in. I remember walking into the doctor's office. Somebody from the front desk like took me over. Usually it's like one of the nurses that gets you checked in or whatever. She's like, oh, you're here. And she's like, let me walk you back there. I'm like, this seems a little VIP for an MRI. And then she knocks on this door, opens the door. There's like a room of like 10 doctors. And she and I, I kind of see my doctor in there. And, and he's like, excuse me, everybody, go into his office. It's, it sits down and he's like, obviously, you know, when we call you in here like this, it's not good. I'm like, what are we dealing with here? And he's like, he's like, the radiologist that looked at everything is like 100% certain it's cancer. And I just remember like, it was almost like an out of body experience at that point. Like, I just kind of remember just being on top of the room, just kind of looking down, and I could almost like see myself just pacing expletives all that's all that was coming out and he's just trying to calm me down and he had to call my wife and explain that to her that was a super tough conversation to hear and um that all transpired kind of and then i had to have a surgery and the the kind of cancer it was was uh called a de-differentiated chondrosarcoma which is a super rare bone cancer um And it's got a really bad, uh, generally bad outcomes. Um, I think pretty much everybody dies of it within um, the first two years. And, like, the reoccurrence rate is, like, in the first two years is, like, a 75%. And it doesn't react to chemo or radiation. So it's, like, and then we we finally got to the time of the surgery and... They were trying to, at the time, trying to figure out what exactly it was. They knew it was a big tumor they were working with at the time, and they were trying to draw samples, couldn't find it. They're like, we're going to do the surgery. We're just going to get clean, wide margins, remove it, and then we'll test it just so we're not like spreading and doing anything malignant with it. Then um, they got the test back, and he's like, okay, even worse than we thought. Like I was hoping it would be mostly benign, but he's like, this is mostly grade three, grade four uh chondrosarcoma um then he gave me basically all the stats of like you you'll be lucky for another couple type of thing and then so i I honestly spent like two years or like yeah a solid two years just like every every time i go back to the doctor it's going to be find out that like you're going to start getting the countdown so that was that was super tough and uh, with all of that, uh, as I was recovering and getting better, I took time off of work, spend time, you know, raising my kids, um, all the things that you might want to do if, if you're thinking like, I don't have that much longer. Um, so, and then one of the biggest things was like, dude, I gotta, I gotta call the boys. And, you know, like, even if it's just in my basement and like, we don't do anything with it. Like, it would be a perfect way to say goodbye to some of those people. Um, And that was really the mentality at the time was, was uh, like, I'm doing all these things as like a goodbye. And then, but um, getting back to the band, um, I remember it just being a perfect outlet of like, where I can take this super dark energy, doesn't hurt anybody, you know, it's not. It's not toxic to your household. It's not affecting relationships. It's, it's all in all, our artistic form. Uh, and I I look back. I listen back to some of the stuff, and it and it's like, you know, super heavy, from where I was.
0: Yeah, that's a. I mean, a very, kind of, mentally, kind of damaging like, yeah, situation d- every day,
1: through. every day. And like, as I'm getting better, my kids uh, are kind of freaked out about me because uh, they, were, they were really young at the time. I uh, I have three and I only had two at the time. And the oldest I think was three. So they had no idea what was going on, but they knew something different was going down with dad. Uh, and I remember just like, I could, I was stuck in this chair and the- I, I could, I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. Uh, I was just trying to watch some spring training and all my days were filled of just like coca melon in the background. It's like, this can't be the way I go out is, you know, the next year and a half of coca melon. Like I really felt like I needed to get out and do something like meaningful and like, and a big thing was like, okay, if, if I, if I, if I got to leave this world, like wouldn't it be nice if my kids and everybody else could hear their dad's voice you know yeah that was that was a big big mentality going into it too
0: after that traumatic cancer Mm -hmm. that you had to go through which is something that just that word alone is enough to yeah send shivers down my spine yeah band gets back together and you released a album of demos and live versions and some yeah unreleased yeah, stuff
1: yeah we we did uh i was like instead of going back to this material and try to like make life of it like why not just release it as is you know just something to kind of like warm our way back up into restarting basically is what it was and um we, we the idea was like let's start everything fresh like not so much of like just pick up where we left off like just start a fresh era of like just completely new ideas and that uh, we'd uh, tell tell them how I really felt was like 20 songs and some some of the songs like 30 seconds long and um, different um, demos of stuff that we had released of of songs were on there so
0: 29 tracks that's yeah quite extensive
1: right right and just i mean there there was probably like closer to like 500 and those are just some of the ones that were like we some of those are recorded on like a cell phone and it's and it's just like it it has that cool like tape demo feel to them that bet you used to get out of compilations or Or demo sets in like the early 90s so that was kind of like yeah that's a cool thing like i i kind of envisioned it like people passing a tape around like check these guys out like that that was the whole point of that and it was super easy to do is it's like i already had all this stuff here let's just get get it out i mean that's what it's about is releasing your stuff right
0: yeah i think when you guys got the band back together then it was sort of moving on to getting some new stuff recorded you guys released a really fantastic single called outside yes and then uh ritalin was the latest release you guys did a cd release show for that at shank hall a month ago yep what were the like if if the band wasn't kind of dispersing what were the what was the next step in the the game plan
1: well you would have seen us at this next mile for a couple of days uh you would have seen us uh in chicago um at Summerfest. Uh so there there was a lot of a lot of stuff there a was. lot of emails that I was just like Ugh. you know got to be got to be the bad guy but again everybody's understanding people know how it goes
0: I mean you didn't you didn't feel the urge to maybe like just smash something else together and and do those commitments
1: ah uh, yeah I mean I could have but uh it just kind of feels like why do I get that spot versus anybody else like it's it's something like we are this together like How how no matter what at the end of the day like nobody's last name is on our on the front of whatever release it just says the Appalachians so it's you know just kind of leave the spot for the band and you know if I if I do something next move you know be on my own terms on my own grounds like kind of the way in the Appalachians is but in a different format and you know on on my own credibility not living off of mean you'll always you'll always have that people might know you something from something else and so that can make it tricky like you look at somebody like people who have tried to start other projects uh billy corgan always comes to my mind um he he really wanted to get out of like uh the pumpkins vibe for a while and but i mean billy corgan sounds like billy corgan like It's always, even if he's Billy Corrigan, it just sounds like pumpkin stuff, so. Well, is
0: there anything else in the tank that the Appalachians had that you might be able to release, or is it?
1: We do have a couple of songs that we were planning to release that I think we'll release at some point. I don't know when. Rainy day type of stuff, band camp, you know. Um, Maybe some weird anniversary type deal, like. I mean, we already hit a 10 year with one of our albums, another one's coming up soon, so maybe we'll do something like that and throw in a couple new tracks. But, uh, I mean, there's not a ton left in the gas tank if that's what, what you're asking.
0: Any chance that the band might do a, a one off or yeah, one of those, a show three years down the road? Or, yeah, I'll, 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 no, I'll,
1: I'll never say it's not possible. Uh, I would probably just say it's unlikely just because of logistics, you know. Um, having our drummer that's moving to Texas, like, okay, to prepare for a show, like we usually spend us spend like us, if we're, if we ever do a standalone, we usually spend like a solid month and a half just practicing, getting a live set. Like somebody's coming from Texas for a show that's only going to pay you X amount of dollars, probably not cover your flight or anything like that. And like how much good preparation are you going to have for it and it's it's one of those things, like, the, the recipe just has to kind of line itself up in the right way, if that makes sense. Like, things have to just kind of come together perfectly almost for it to happen. But, I mean, because it is a lot of energy and a lot of time just for, you know, to do a one-off. And that's something we always took seriously as we started getting older, like making really good decisions. Like, is this worth it? Is this worth it? Is this worth like was, is always our question for anything we do. Like what, what's the purpose? I mean, maybe, maybe we'll be like, dude, it's been four years since the, the four of us have been in a room together. Like that on its own is worth it to us. Like that could totally be the case. So I won't say, I won't sit here and say like, it'll never happen, but I do don't know when it could be 10 years from now when I have no hair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the Appalachians are around for over a decade. Is there anybody that you want to thank in the closing of the show or anybody that you want to give a shout out to? Uh,
1: Lots of people, everybody at Code Zero. You guys have been super supportive to us over the last couple, especially since we came back because you guys are fairly new, right? five six years six seven six seven okay so you've been so you've been fired up while we were kind of kind of uh out of commission um but yeah uh every time we've been in appleton somebody from your guys station has been at our show so we really appreciate the support uh david silbaugh um who who does booking for Summerfest, that that was always a really big propeller for us um Pia Levy of the Journal Sentinel, um, every, every, everybody that ever booked us from the Motel 6 that we played in West Bend to uh, Chadwick's to um, Columbus, Ohio, you know. It's, there's Ten years is a lot. You see a lot of faces um, and some really cool experiences. Uh, Nate Gessner, Aaron Fontaine, um, Ben Wackel, who was, uh, uh, just had a little bit of a hospital scare with his brain or one of our original bass players, uh, Jake Moore, Max Galici. These are all past members. Um, Craig Calhoun. Um, there's, there's been a lot of people that stepped into this at some point. That's kind of like became its own fraternity in a way, you know?
0: I want to thank you for doing this show today. Thank you for having me. Hopefully, we'll have you back again in the next project.
1: If (laughs) uh, when there is a next project, this will be one of my first stops. I promise.